This is the data privacy detective. Biometrics and personal data privacy. That's our topic today. And with us as a guest is Dan Cotter. Dan is a corporate attorney at Howard & Howard, having served in both in-house counsel and private practice positions in law firms. And Dan, you've counseled clients through a wide variety of data privacy and cybersecurity issues since the late 1990s. So thanks so much for joining us. Good. I'm glad you could be with us. Thanks for having me, Joe. Well, let's start off with definitions. What are biometrics? Sure. Think of biometrics as parts of your face, your hands, voice, all these uh, statutes that are coming into existence in the United States, but also around the country. Talk about retina scans and iris scans, fingerprints or voice prints, scans of hands or face or face geometry. And then they talk about what's not included. And I think one of the things I always use as an example is, is when we look at the James Bond movies and some of those spy movies from the 70s and 80s and Austin Powers and others, we see people uh, using their fingerprints or eye retinal scans to get into the secret vaults and chambers uh, where secret things are, such as defense missiles. And, you know, one of the things that's happening these days is that if we go to the Amazon stores, those stores that look like in New York City, where you can go in, you move around, you get a scan in an app, and then you go around the store, you buy things that weighs the stuff as you take it off the shelf, and then lo and behold, you get a receipt that comes back. Uh, Amazon and Starbucks, both in New York City, uh, which has a, a new statute in place or ordinance, about biometric information, both have been sued, uh, the class actions for people claiming that it was a, an illegal violation of their, their rights. And in the Amazon case, it was dismissed. People think it settled for some low amount. They said that they don't collect biometric identifier information covered by the law. They scan body shape and size and other identifying characteristics. And we're kind of in the early days of this biometric information, although some statutes have been around for a long time. They do use palm prints, but those palm prints are used ahead of time. And so what what can we learn from all this? I think we're going to get into what, what employers and, and others can do if they're collecting yeah. this data. Uh, but it's a, it's a brave new world. And I think that if folks aren't aware of these requirements and these types of laws, they need to get up to speed very quickly. Yeah, biometrics really is us. It's all the images of us, and then it gets turned into ones and zeros. And with quantum computing, I mean, it turns into something. I don't know, but it gets spread around. People uh, post their photo on Facebook. Yeah. All right, very good. And off it goes. And now it's a digital image. And uh, who knows who's going to scrape it and use it and all this sort of thing. And and so this is what we're talking about today. How's this all going to work? And and thanks for bringing up the uh, New York City ordinance. Uh, the New York Times just on September 10 of uh, uh, 2023 had a fascinating article about uh, eyeglasses that have been developed now, where if, let's say, you wear them and uh, you're at a cocktail party and then who is that over in the corner? And you don't know. And you tap your glasses and they'll say, oh, that's Frank Smith. Uh, accessing an AI database because Frank Smith is uh, his biometric information is probably posted all sorts of places and he has no idea. Now you go over and hi Frank, good to see you again. I mean, this is the world we're in, and, and, and let's let's talk about that. So, in the United States, Stan, I mean, what laws and regulations uh, exist already to protect or restrict use of our biometric information? 
It's, a, it's an excellent question, Joe. And uh, we've mentioned the New York City ordinance already. I think that's the only local municipality that's uh, enacted legislation. And Dan, uh, I think the, you're in Chicago, Illinois. Wasn't Illinois the first state to adopt a statute about this? So yeah, back in 2008, when uh, Jules the stores were starting to think about uh, using fingerprints or thumbprints to be able to shop uh, without using your credit cards, a law was passed in Illinois, the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. And it's an act, it's, it's two and a half pages. It defines biometric identifiers, kind of like we talked about earlier. It has a, has a regime. It's one of the only statutes in the country right now that has a private cause of action for plaintiffs. And our, our Supreme Court in Illinois has recently said that uh, each time somebody scans their fingerprint, uh, that's a separate incident. And there's a five-year statute of limitation on these things. So just think about the math on that. If, if somebody's uh, going to the local quick stop uh, every day and using their thumbprint uh, to, to buy uh, cigarettes or, or sodas or coffees, uh, it's incredible. Uh, there's a few other states, California and Texas have them. But what's happening now, Joe, is that we're starting to see in all these privacy bills and privacy regimes that are happening up in uh, Oregon uh, last session. Uh, they passed a law that will impact Fitbits and those other types of things, healthcare uh, tracking in light of HIPAA. And so we have kind of a patchwork of laws right now. We don't have any uniform U.S. law yet. Uh, but these things all, again, they look at, like you said, it's us. It's, it's our facial scans. It's our hand scans, fingerprints, eye scans, voice prints. Recently, a lawsuit was filed in Illinois, a class action. It survived a motion to dismiss that had to do with an employer uh, using their voices and, and taking voice prints. And voice print is considered biometric. And uh, so uh, we have this patchwork. But as we talked about earlier, we need for people to really think about that this is going to be an emerging issue. Uh, because we do have that trade-off, Joe, that you talked about. Uh, we put our faces on Facebook. We put them on social media. We want all the power and, and uh, convenience that our phones provide us. Uh, we sometimes get mad about multi-factor authentication or other things. But the, uh, the the reality is, is we're in this kind of situation right now where we're trading off convenience for privacy. And when it comes to this biometric information, it's uh, it's a new a regime and a new framework that's developing. Well, exactly. And as you say, it's a balance between convenience. Uh, very nice to, you know, zip through a security line at the airport by just uh, looking into a, something that it looks at your irises. I do that. Uh, but right. I, I've given away my data. But let me ask you this, Dan. Here, don't we own our own physical data? Or, or once we post something, do others own it? I mean, how does that work? I, I realize you've said there there isn't a, a clear federal law. There's no federal overarching law about all this. There are these different state approaches. Uh, Illinois is 15 years into it, so we have some track record. But who owns this data? Do I have a right to tell people who are using it, hey, stop using it? I mean, generally, what's the answer? <laughs> I, you know, I think the answer is, again, I think we've, we've lost that argument. But, you know, it's funny if, if folks are on uh, Facebook, for example, periodically I see friends and family that constantly put these posts on that they're told will save them. It says that I don't authorize Facebook to use my face or any of my personal data for any purposes. Uh, but the gig is up because, Joe, as you know, uh, to get on your Apple phone or your your Droid and do updates, to go on Facebook, to go on X, formerly known as Twitter, 
to do almost anything, the terms and conditions that we agreed to and sign up for uh, say that the, that data can be used. It could be uh, used for marketing purposes. It could be used for other purposes. And so, you know, this is a long argument, I think. Uh, years ago, I saw in Half Price Books a Life magazine, and the cover was The End of Privacy as We Know It. It was from 1968. Uh, so think about back then, the only personal information you might give up would be to call a catalog and order something because there was no computers. And uh, there was an argument in that thing that uh, because of the convenience of modern day life, that individuals had given up their freedom in 1968. It was a University of Chicago professor. And so jump ahead, you know, 55 years and and uh, we're in a whole different regime. I think people would start, still argue that they own their physical data, that they own their, their personal information. Uh, but I think it's getting harder and harder to make that argument and justification. Well, and it may be very different in Europe, which takes a little different approach, the so-called right to be forgotten, although it's it's really the right not to be linked in a way in Europe, but much more ability uh, for people to say, wait a minute, I may have posted something uh, 30 years ago when I was a teenager, but I don't want that floating around anymore. But in the United States, we're not there yet, are we? We are not. And, and you mentioned uh, Europe. And you know, one of the things I think is different, I talk about privacy all the time, is that in the European Union constitutions, there's a fundamental right to privacy that's contained in their constitutions. Many of them were written post-World War II. Uh, we have a couple states in the U.S., like California, that has a very strong, robust constitutional right to privacy. But you're right, they take a very different view, and the EU Directive on Privacy and all the other uh, kind of frameworks that they're coming up with. Uh, they have stuff on artificial intelligence that just came out recently and directives. So Europe, uh, for sure, takes it much more seriously and much more uniformly. And like you said, even if you've allegedly or, or conceivably given up some of your rights, the mechanisms uh, under the EU uh, privacy frameworks allow you to get that back and to reclaim your uh, existence. And a good example of this is that Meta uh, slash Facebook uh, has repeatedly been sued uh, under their uh, framework and lost, and other companies have as well. And there's big settlements and big uh, kind of changes to how some of the big tech companies that are over in Europe are trying to retrofit their pro practices so that they don't run afoul of the much more robust privacy pr uh, protections for consumers that exist over in Europe. Right. And in, in the United States and around the world, uh, with this patchwork, as you've correctly described it, of law and regulation and the evolution of things. What are the top uh, issues that arise for organizations? It might be the convenience store you mentioned or the the collector of uh, the airline that's good, so using biometrics to let you on the plane. It could be anything like that. What, what are the top uh, issues that arise for organizations that collect, share, and use biometric information? The, the, the biggest issue, I think, right now in this uh, kind of uh, new frontier uh, and if you look at, again at the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act, is notice and making sure that you have notice and consent of those that you're collecting data from. Uh, the biggest source of class actions and the biggest source of exposure in Illinois right now is for employers that use this to kind of uh, prevent uh, our leakage. Uh, back in the past, people would use punch cards. They might call in and say, hey, could you punch my card and I'm going to be a few minutes late or punch me out, I forgot. Nowadays, uh, those are the biggest risk facing uh, all of these 
companies. One of the reasons that Amazon was able to get out of that suit in New York City was that they do, in fact, describe the process. They collect the palm prints up front as part of the process. It's, it's not mandatory. It's, it's discretionary on the part of the consumer. And so, again, one of the things that's facing employers and, and companies like airlines, like you said, that are collecting data in Illinois is that they haven't posted their policy and they haven't got informed written consent from their uh, consumers. And those are the kind of uh, open the door to uh, the significant exposure that uh, these biometric information privacy acts uh, present uh, to uh, the users of this data. So, and it's, it's uh, good business say, anyway, isn't it? I mean, it's a privacy-centric way of dealing with customers to say, here's what we do with your data. You should know that. If you want to use our system, this is what you buy into. This is how it's used. This is what it might do to your privacy. And take it or leave it. You decide. That's right. But they go in, they go in with their eyes wide open into what's uh, what's being collected, how it's being used, how it's stored. And like you said, they can make a decision. I don't want to go into the Amazon Fresh or whatever they're called. I don't want to go into uh, the Quick Stop and use my fingerprint uh, for uh, purchases. Right. Well, you've mentioned how, and we've discussed how Europe is really quite a different approach. Uh, India has a constitutional right to privacy, uh, just adopted its code. But a wide variety of approaches. So let's close by asking you this. Uh, what tips do you have for individuals? Let's say, I mean, we've all, I'm sure, been photoed somehow when we were, you know, uh, babies taking a bath or I don't know what, uh, you, you know, and now we, we're growing up. And what can we do about all this? What are your tips to individuals? Just get over it. Uh, a tech executive said years ago, privacy's dead. Get over it. Well, that's one way of thinking about this. But what are your tips to people who do have a concern about the misuse of uh, digital data about their biometrics? I, I think for, for those individuals, as you suggested, think long and hard about whether you post those pictures, whether you post driver's licenses of your kids. You see that all the time on, on social media, uh, whether you have uh, clear faces where your retinal scan perhaps could be scraped. And so... I think for individuals, again, go in with your eyes wide open, uh, no pun intended, and and make sure that you understand that by posting, by using these things, by giving control over to uh, these third parties, that it may run into eventual, you get a letter or some kind of notice that your uh, information has been breached or used for nefarious purposes. So be very careful and any kind of consent or usage that you make on the internet because it's there forever and you can't uh, really uh, retract it, at least in the U.S. Hard to imagine total erasure of something once it's yeah. turned into zeros and ones and, and put is. out there in, in, in the public line. Well, Dan, thanks so much for this very interesting tour of biometrics and data privacy, a journey we're all on. And as always, I will close by reminding our listeners protecting your personal data begins with you.